So listen, we are in chapter 11 finally. This is the 35th lesson in the study of the book of Romans and we've got to chapter 11 and we've come to the true purpose of the letter. Paul has been offering in the last couple of chapters a defense of the Jewish people who have not accepted Yeshua as the Messiah. Paul told us in chapter 9 of God's sovereignty and that he has chosen a remnant in Israel. Even though the majority of the Jewish people rejected the Messiah, God still loves his Jewish people. But he also told us that not all Israel is Israel. That God has, just as he chose Isaac instead of Ishmael and Jacob instead of Esau, so too with the sons of Jacob, he has chosen a remnant in Israel. And then in chapter 10, he tells us why in a series of four statements that, he, that the remnant of Israel will be saved. First, he says, because the Jewish people have a great zeal, or we could say a great love for God. Second, though they have the love of God, this love for God, they miss the righteousness that is by faith because they focused on works of the law. Third, he told us the righteousness that they missed was actually the whole goal of the Torah in the first place. To teach about the Messiah Yeshua. That's why God gave the Torah. Then in the next four fours. He tells us in essence that the righteous will live by the law through faith. Not by works. Faith in the Messiah who came down from heaven. So that no man would have to go up and bring understanding down. And he died and was, went into the heart of the earth so that no man would have to descend to the abyss to bring understanding up. Because now, through faith, Messiah, who has descended to the heart of the earth and ascended from the abyss, is the living word, and he's near you, he's in your heart. And finally, he says that all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved, telling us, That while they miss the Messiah, all they have to do to be saved is call on the name of the Lord. And so we also looked at, uh, in in combination with this, we looked at Paul's calling. That in his former life, he was unreachable by men. He thought so highly of himself that Yeshua had to knock him off his horse and speak to him directly. Directly. And that should tell us that Yeshua will go to any lengths. He'll do whatever it takes to save this remnant of Jewish people. And at the end of chapter 10, he also tells the Romans that it's their responsibility to be a witness to the Jewish people. And now in chapter 10, he's going to give us the mystery of God concerning Israel. And he's going to start with Israel's rejection of the Messiah... And all the Romans know about their rejection of the Messiah. They've worshipped in the synagogues with these non-believing Jews in the past. And they know what a tough sell Messiah Yeshua is to these Jewish people. It's like somebody's pulled the shade down as soon as you start talking to them. Lights out. And so he begins chapter 11 with a rhetorical question. He says in verse 1, I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. Now, you have to ask yourself, I don't know if anybody else is wondering this, but you have to ask yourself, how many times and how many ways can he say that God is not done with the Jewish people? 
You know, theologians have looked at chapters 9 through 11 and wondered why Paul would write these things. He seems so schizophrenic here. There's a reason they don't understand. You want to know the reason they don't understand? The reason is simple. Christians have looked at Romans as a more complete statement of the book of Galatians. The problem is Galatians and Romans don't address the same things. They only have one thing in common, and that's the gospel. If you look at Romans as a more complete statement of the book of Galatians and addressing the same things, you're going to err because it's not. And the reason he's offering the defense of the Jewish people and is speaking of the importance of the Jewish people is simple. He offers a defense of the Jewish people because they are important to God. And not only that, to the gospel for the nations. The Jewish people are an important part of the good news going out to the nations. And why does he state that God has not rejected his people over and over in so many different ways? There can only be one reason that I can think of anyway. And that is that these Romans think God has rejected the Jewish people. Paul is telling them that they're wrong. Yes, they, the Jewish people have rejected Messiah, but God has not rejected them. And now in chapter 11, he's going to tell them the mystery of God in all of this. This is part of the mystery of God. It's part of the gospel of God. And to show that God has not rejected his people, he's going to use himself as evidence. Listen to what he says in, in verse 1 and 2. He says, I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. Listen to what he says. God hasn't rejected Israel. I'm an Israelite myself. Just as an aside, I want to go for a little bit of a rabbit trail here. If you've read or you've, you've listened to any of the two-house information on the Internet, you're going to find that they pretty much want to tell you that every time you see the word Israel or Israelite, it refers to the ten lost tribes. While every time you see the word Jew, it refers to the southern tribes or Judah. Now, if you've been here for a long, if you've been coming for very long, you know that I teach that the two-house teaching is all wet. And over the years, I think I've proved it from Scripture and even from a common-sense approach. Well, to say that when you read Israelite or Israel, it means the ten lost tribes is ridiculous. Because by the time you get to the first century and even before, the writers of the Bible and historians speak of the northern tribes and the southern tribes as Israel and as Jews. And this is a perfect example. Paul is from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was not carried away with the ten northern tribes, but was one of the two that weren't carried away by the Assyrians. And what does he call himself here? An Israelite. Understand, there were no lost tribes by the time you get to the first century. The historians speak of them. James writes a letter to them. They weren't lost. They knew exactly who they were. Don't get sucked into thinking that because you are attracted to the Jewish roots of the faith, you must be one of the lost tribes of Israel. You're attracted to the Jewish roots of the faith because God is restoring what is lost to us after the first century. And it was lost because of what's happening here in Rome. In case you haven't noticed, God is doing a marvelous thing in these last days. 
in these last few years. It shows that we're close to the end. We have all of these non-Jews who believe in Jesus Christ wanting to know about the Passover. Wanting to know about the Feast of Tabernacles. And guess what? A lot of them are, are troubled by not keeping the Sabbath. And with each passing year, the numbers grow. When I first started Sar Shalom, I was amazed at how many people didn't even know the name of Messiah was Yeshua. They knew nothing of Passover, and I was astonished to find out that many of them didn't even know Yeshua was a Jew. You see, God is restoring these things to the non-Jews because he loves all of mankind. If you get one thing out of the book of Romans, it should be that God loves the Jew and the Greek alike. That means if you're a Jew, you don't have to become a Greek and eat a ham sandwich. And if you're a Greek, you don't have to become a Jew and get circumcised because God loves you with the exception of the sin in your life just the way you are. It's not a nationality, but it's your heart. It's your love for God and your love for each other that he sees. Not your nationality. He don't care about that. So understand, all of this restoration is not God gathering the lost tribes. It's God doing exactly what Paul is speaking of here. God making one new man of Jew and Greek. He's going to have a people who follow his instruction. One olive tree as he'll say later in the chapter, with natural and with unnatural branches, but all of those branches bearing fruit for Messiah Yeshua. So anyway, that's the interesting aside. That's the rabbit trail. So anyway, he uses himself as an example of not being rejected by God. And again, he has to be addressing this issue over and over because Romans are of the opinion that God has rejected his people Israel. But what an example, right? I mean, how much better example can you get? He's saying, God didn't reject me. And listen, I was the worst of the worst. Listen to what he said of himself last week. Let's read it again. We read this last week. I thank Yeshua, the Messiah, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Messiah Yeshua. Not only had he rejected the Messiah Yeshua as the Jewish people, but he was a persecutor of those who did follow the Messiah Yeshua. If you look at his life, he would make the average Israelite look like a saint. He did not just disagree, but he went out to silence the opposition in any way necessary, and yet he was part of the remnant. Even with the rejection and the violence toward the believers, he was saved by God, and not just saved, but chosen to be an apostle. And the reason for the mercy God showed Paul, he states it as well. He said, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. 
He was shown mercy because he acted in ignorance and unbelief. And, and what did he say of the Jewish people, of the, of the people of Israel who had failed to accept Messiah Yeshua? Well, let's back up to chapter 10 and see. Verse 2, he says, For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know that the righteousness that comes from God, they sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. For Messiah is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. He told us they did not know they missed the Messiah because of ignorance and unbelief. That's how Paul missed the Messiah as well. So much so that Messiah had to appear to him and knock him off his horse, blind him for a few days. You see, he can do the same for the rest of the remnant of Israel as well. And to make sure that we understand, he'll say this later in Romans 11. He, he, in Romans 11 verse 8, he quotes Isaiah 29, 10. He says, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so that they could not see and ears so that they could not hear to this very day. They have rejected Messiah. Why? Ignorance. Because God himself gave them eyes that cannot see. They rejected him in ignorance. And then what does he say of himself? He says, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly because those things that he did were in ignorance. He showed mercy and poured out his grace abundantly. And what does he say he will do to ignorant Israel in a, in a few years? He says this in verse 5. So too at the present time there's a remnant chosen by grace. You see what an amazing argument this is? If God could have mercy on the worst of the worst, because he did what he did in ignorance then who could he not have mercy on? That's no problem for him. He's God. He hardens who he wants to harden. He have mercy on who he wants to hurt. I have mercy, and who's going to argue with him? Can the pot say to the potter, why did you make me like this? Has not the potter the right to make some pots for noble and some for ignoble purposes, for common purposes? So listen to what he says next in verse 2. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Oh, there's that word foreknew again. Here we go again with the foreknew. Remember, we've seen this word before. If we back up to chapter 8, in verse 28, he's speaking of the Romans and he says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purposes. For those he foreknew... He also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these he called, he also justified. And these he justified, he also glorified. What You see, Paul continues to draw these parallels between the Roman followers of Yeshua and the Jewish people who don't follow Yeshua. He uses the very things he said of them to show that God foreknew them both. God loves them both. God called them both. God predestined them both. All throughout the letter, with everything he writes, he's trying to restore relationship with these people, trying to reinstill a love, the love of God for Israel into these Romans. 
He's using all these wonderful things that he said of the non-Jews, how God loved them, how God showered grace on them, he was patient with them, he showed them mercy and love to show that God loves Israel in the same way, so he says the same thing about the Jewish people. To show that God can have the same mercy on the Jewish remnant. And who's going to argue with him? You going to argue with him? I'm not going to argue with him. Who can argue with him? So again, what's with all of this God has not rejected his people Israel? What's it all about? Is it just that Paul has a burden for the Jewish people, for Israel? Or is there something deeper here that we may not be seeing? Well, there is something deeper. So deep that it is the good news, period. This is part of the good news. He stated it way back in chapter 1. Listen to what he says. I'm not ashamed of the good news, the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Greek. He tells us that the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, Jew and Gentile, and not just Jew, but the Jew first and then the nation. You can't leave the Jewish people out of the equation or your good news isn't so good. We spoke about this order of things that Paul states over and over. And where does Paul get this? Where does he get to the Jew first and then to the Gentile? Do you think it's because Yeshua came to Israel first and so they got the first crack at the gospel but they rejected it and now it's gone out to the Gentiles. They missed it. Too bad. It belongs to the Gentiles. Well, that's what you hear preached a lot of places. That's what they teach a lot of places. But that is not the plan of God. You know, God stated his plan way back through Isaiah. Listen to 49. Isaiah 49, verses 5 and 6. And now says the Lord who formed me in, from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord. And my God is my strength. He says, it's too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore and preserve ones of Israel. I will also make you a light to the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Do you see the order here? Because this is what Paul meant. And the Jewish people of the first century were expecting to happen. You see, Isaiah tells us the same thing as Paul. That Messiah would come, would raise up the tribes of Israel, would restore them, and then they and Messiah would be a light to the nations. And the salvation of God would go out to the ends of the earth. That's what they're expecting to happen. Listen, God isn't just concerned with Israel or the nations. He's concerned with Israel and the nations. This whole letter is about that, exactly. We can see it if we go back to Mount Sinai. Look at Mount Sinai, Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. It says, If you, now then, if you will indeed hear my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be for me a kingdom of priests. And the holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Do you see it there too? God says to Israel, I'll make you a kingdom of priests. Well, think about it. 
if the whole of Israel are priests, who are they going to be priests to? Part of being a priest is to intercede and be intermediaries between God and the people. Well, if the whole nation of Israel is priests, who are they going to be intermediaries between? Doesn't take a mental heavyweight to figure out all that's left is the nations, right? <laughs> so understand that the understand that the plan of God and the understanding of the Jewish people was that God would restore the tribes of Israel through the Messiah, what Paul calls the remnant of Israel, and then would come salvation to the nations. So if Paul reasons. If salvation were coming to the nations through the Messiah Yeshua and the Jewish followers of the Messiah Yeshua, then his Jewish people, if this happened, would wake up and see Yeshua is the Messiah, wouldn't they? If it happened that way. Now, if you're going to understand the mind of Paul and the disciples and all of this, you're going to have to go to Acts chapter 15. And the background of what we're going to read here is Paul is having difficulty. He's having difficulty with those who teach you must become part of the nation of Israel. You must be circumcised. You must keep the whole of the Torah, as we Jewish people do, to be saved. Or we could say it in Hebraic terms, to be part of the world to come. They're teaching that you had to become part of Israel through the prescribed way of the rabbis, which was, first and foremost, and this is, this is, an all, this is all... This is part of the good news. You had to separate yourself from the worship of other gods. That was first and foremost. Then you had to learn Torah. You had to learn the customs of the Jewish people for keeping Torah. Then you had to be circumcised and immersed. And after that, you were part of Israel, part of the Jewish people, and you had a share in the world to come. We can see this in Acts chapter two, at 15 and verse 2. It says, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. Okay, so the problem with this type of thinking is that it goes completely against the gospel that we just read. To the Jew first and then the nation. We saw it in Isaiah 49 and in Romans we're going to see it. Here's why. If all the Gentiles become Jewish, and that's the only way to the world to come, what about the nations? Why did God even bother writing about the nations? God said he was going to have his salvation go out to the ends of the earth. And he didn't mean along with a flint knife. He wants the nations to be as they are. And the only difference being that they would worship the one God and live by his instructions. You see, we see the same thing in verse 5 of chapter 15. It says this, But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed had stood up saying, It's necessary to circumcise them and direct them to observe the law of Moses. Well, again, if all the nations become Jewish, and that's the only way to the world to come, to become part of Israel, then there would be no nations left to go up to Jerusalem, would there? Right? The apostles see Isaiah 49 coming to be. They see that God has sent Messiah, and the restoration of Israel has begun, and now his salvation is going out to the nations as well. 
And we can see this in their answer if we just read it carefully. Listen to what they say. Listen to James. After they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. With this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After these things, I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who makes these things known from long ago. Notice the decision. I will rebuild David's fallen tent. In other words, I'm going to restore the kingship to the house of David, the son of David to the throne. And we all know that is Messiah Yeshua. The disciples have seen the Messiah. They've seen the kingship of Israel restored. The king came, he died, he now sits at the right hand of God. And because of this, Israel is being restored. They're seeing thousands of Jewish people accepting Messiah Yeshua. In fact, on the very first Shavuot, 3,000 in one day. They see the remnant of Israel coming to faith in Messiah. Why? Well, read again. Read Isaiah again. So that the rest of the nations may seek the Lord and his salvation may go out to the ends of the earth. The question then is, do these Gentiles coming to faith in Messiah Yeshua, fulfilling this prophecy, do they need to become Jewish to fulfill the prophecy? And the answer is absolutely not. It can never be. That's not the gospel. Because again, if they were to do that, where would the nations be in the scheme of things? There would be no other nations, right? We'd have one nation, right? Listen to what it says. Now listen to what it says. It is therefore my judgment that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from the food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and read in the synagogues to every Sabbath. Do you see, is it starting to make sense to you? Do you see it? Because we're going to make it easy for the Gentiles because this is God calling the nations and his salvation going out to the ends of the earth. These folks are not to become Jewish because God is calling the nations as well. He's calling them to be the nations who love God. And the thought is, if we make the nations become Jewish, requiring them to be circumcised and keep the whole of the Torah as we do, we destroy the plan of God. To bring salvation to the nations. You see, the gospel will be destroyed. The nations are to learn Torah that applies to them and leave the Jewish and leave the Jews to be Jewish. Amen? Leave being Jewish to the Jews. Read Galatians, because that's what the book is about. Galatians is about destroying the gospel by making Jews out of Gentiles. That's what the book is about. Listen, if you get nothing else, understand that 
That is not the plan of God. The plan of God is to restore Israel and save the nations. Not to restore Israel and everyone else who will become Jewish. Remember the lesson of chapter 2. Paul wanted the Romans to know that belonging to a people group is not going to save you. Becoming Jewish is not going to save you. You see, the Galatians, in Galatia, Paul sees, what did he see there? He saw Judaizers thwarting the gospel because they're trying to convert Gentiles to be Jews. Let's look at some of the things he says to the Galatians. Chapter 1, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting deserting the one who called you by the grace of God. Messiah and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all you're turning to a gospel that's no gospel at all well the God what gospel are they returning to well it the gospel they're returning to is no gospel at all it's the same old conversion from Gentile to Jew that the rabbis concocted many many years before it's the same old Convert in the way of the rabbis. Be circumcised. Keep Torah as we Jewish people keep Torah. Then you'll be one of us. And because you're part of Israel, you'll have a share in the world to come because you're part of us Jewish people. That's not the gospel. The plan of God and the good news is that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name. Listen to Galatians chapter 5 verse 2. Listen to what it says. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you, if you let yourself be circumcised, Messiah will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare, to everyone who lets himself be circumcised, he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have alienated yourself from Messiah. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly wait, await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Messiah Yeshua, circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith is expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith. Faith as Abraham had. You need faith in the word of God that God has restored David's son to the throne and he's going to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved ones of Israel so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all Gentiles who are called by my name. It's not convert to being a Jew because God's plan is Israel will be a light to the nations so that God's salvation can reach the ends of the earth. Let's go to Galatians 6. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid the persecution for the cross of Messiah. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. They want you to be circumcised and obey the law for selfish reasons. So they can satisfy their own selfish reasoning. Let me, let me, say, let me ask you this. This is Galatians. and that I, What did I say at the start of this? Galatians and Romans have nothing in common except the gospel, right? Do you read anything like this in the book of Romans? No, you don't. Why? 
Because in the case of Galatians, you had Jews trying to convert Gentiles to be Jews. But in Rome, that's not the case. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The Jews were required to leave Rome for five years because of Claudius. Now they're returning to the synagogues there and they're finding that the Romans are not very receptive to them. The problem in Rome is Roman insensitivity and alienation of the Jewish people. You see, let's go back to Romans 1 and verse 11 and let's see what the problem is in Rome. Here's the problem in Rome. It's not the same. He says, I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by, each, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to become unaware, brethren, that I have often planned to come to you, but have been prevented so far, so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation to both Greeks and to barbarians, to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. The book of Romans While it doesn't mention circumcision, while it does mention circumcision and the law versus faith, it does so in a much more, shall we say, informative or matter of fact. There's no urgency. Stop what you're doing or Messiah will be of no value to you. There's no urgency there because that is not the problem. It's not the problem. Paul mentions those things in chapter 2 because they're an intricate part of the gospel. And the reason why he states here, he says, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Folks, these folks don't even know the good news. They don't even know the gospel. They've been without guidance for years. The teachers have been evicted from Rome and are only now returning, and they're not receiving a warm welcome. Paul tells the Romans in chapter 11, listen to what he says, do not boast over the natural branches. If you do, consider this, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You see, the problem here isn't conversion, it's boasting over the Jewish people. Listen to verse 22 of chapter 11. Consider, therefore, the kindness and the sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you'll be cut off. And if they do not persist in their unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, you are cut from an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature. We're grafted into a cultivated olive tree. How much more readily will these natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. You see, the problem here isn't Judaizing. It's a bunch of arrogant Romans. And how are they being arrogant? How are they being arrogant? Well, Paul summarizes the whole book in chapter 16. 
verses 17 and 18. He says this, I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissension and his hindrances, and the word there is stumbling, contrary to the teaching which you learn, and turn away from them, for such men are slaves not of our Lord Yeshua, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. You see, the problem in Rome is there's those who are causing others to stumble. Not because they're trying to circumcise the Gentiles, but because they're doing things that are contrary to what they have been taught. They're causing this stumbling because of their own appetites. And they're spreading this selfishness through flattering speech, deceiving the hearts of the unlearned. So what we want to see is there's something going on with food here that's contrary to what they've been taught. That's causing this group in Rome, who are Jewish unbelievers, and we'll see that later, to stumble, to miss the gospel. So what have they been taught about food? Well, it's easy. We just read it. Acts chapter 19, it says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God, instead to write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from the meat of strangled animals and blood. You see, first and most important part about being one of God's people, one of God's kingdom, is that you turn from other gods. And when we looked at this passage a few weeks ago, what did we find? We found that all of these things are forbidden to Jews and non-Jews alike in the book of Exodus. And why? Because all of these things have to do with idol worship and would be offensive to God. And of course, if it's offensive to God, it's going to be offensive to anybody who loves God, right? So if these Romans are doing things which are contrary to what they have been taught, and they're bringing in food sacrificed to idols, are the Jewish people going to be envious of that? What are they going to say? Oh, look at those Meshuggah Gentiles. Right? They're not going to be a light to the Jewish people. They're going to be a stench. And so these people, because of their boasting, their conceit, their eating, and their worship, are not arousing the Jewish people to envy. And so Paul's reason is that they are outside of the plan of God and the mystery of God, just as the Galatians were outside of the plan of God for a different reason. Amen?